This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction recovery specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. Thank you. We're back for another episode, Lakin Chronicles, not name, not my idea. But no, we interview people that have battled addiction and succeeded, and um, the stories um, are, are all over the place, but um, so are our patients, and so are um, people that have had uh, addictions. But this is, this is very nice because we actually have Nate and his wife, Audrey, and thank you both so much for coming. Thank you. Um, yeah, we get the husband and the wife perspective of, of this journey that you've taken and, and done well in, by the way. But um, the sole purpose for you agreeing to come tell your story is just, just to help others. And I, I really, I, uh, I commend you and it takes a lot of courage. And so I want to thank you ahead of time for just coming and sharing your story with us because as, as we know, we maybe reach 10, 20% of the people out there that really need help. And um, there's nothing more motivational, more inspirational than hearing a good success story um, from somebody that's 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 battled addiction and 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 it's succeeded. So thank you, Nate. Thank you, and Audrey. Thank you. But but just yeah, just this is your show. Just start off and tell tell us your story about how it all got started. Um, so I wrecked a motorcycle uh, May nineteenth of two thousand and six. Um, ripped half my face off and uh, of course they prescribed me a bunch of pain medication at the time and uh, you know and then they had to put new teeth in and so they had to prescribe me more pain medication for that um, shortly after that I hurt my back and you know it was before you even know it you don't even know really that you're getting addicted to something mm-hmm. until it's like you have to have a pain pill to wake up and get out of bed or else you just feel sick and you know, just filled with pain uh, and you don't, you don't even want to move. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the addiction and you really don't realize that until you get, you know, further down the road. In my case, it was 10, 12 years down the road, you know, before, um, I found you and, and really luckily it was, it was a coworker that told me to call you guys. And, uh, I'll never forget. I was terrified because I knew I had to get to work the next morning and I was going to be sick because I didn't have anything and when I called the lady said I can hear your runny nose I know you don't feel too well (laughs) she's like sweetie you need to come in as soon as possible and I thought gosh she gets it it's crazy she understood what I was feeling and how bad it is you know when you're at your worst so no so yours is like many others it started off harmless enough with, with an accident, yeah. you know, probably one that you were lucky to survive. Um, but a whole series of surgeries, a whole series of procedures yeah. and probably just started off in, in with Lortab, Percocet, those kinds yeah. of things, right? Yeah. Lortabs. And yeah, it was really Lortabs the first few years, but, and then when, you know, all your prescriptions run up and you, you know, you'll, you'll start buying them because you need them. You have to have them. So you start buying them on the street. And then the next person may not have Lortab. They all only have Percocets. And so you've gone up a step and uh, so on and so on, you know. And you, pretty soon you can't find anything but Oxycontin. And yeah. I always swore I'd never do heroin, but they say that's pretty much where I was headed. Um, 
I guess that's really just the next step once you've done all the pain medications and, you know, it turns into the cheaper thing to keep you from feeling sick, but then it just destroys your life. Mm-hmm. So uh, No, and it's, I mean, people get a tolerance fast, especially males, mm-hmm. they get a tolerance so fast. And so there's just no stopping. You needed more and you needed it more often. Yeah. And so you yeah. got to the point where you were taking how much of what? Um, at the very worst, uh, I would say probably 60 to 90 milligrams of Oxycontin a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, and it's like, if I couldn't find that or get that, I knew that I could survive off of about 40 milligrams mm-hmm. <laughs> of like Lortab or Percocet. So it would, you know, I could at least do my job and be there. I didn't feel great, but I could be there. So it was about not being sick yeah. more often than any kind of euphoria or buzz. Maybe yeah. you just, maybe that quit for you or maybe you never had. I mean, did you do it for the euphoria at all or just? Uh, I mean, I liked it. I didn't, you know, I remember when I had wrecked my motorcycle and people were talking about how much pain I must be in. And I remember thinking, I actually feel kind of great, you yeah. know, because <laughs> yeah. I was on the pain medicine, but it's like, you know, I never did it for that feeling really. Um, you know, it, it turned into a keep myself from getting sick, but the feeling's great too. You know, you, you, that's what gets you there. Um, as you, you know, if you like that feeling, you want to go back to that feeling and you know that without it, once you've gotten to that point, um, you know, you're not going to feel right without it. Uh, in fact, just downright sick. I mean, like I told you, the, the mm-hmm. first time I had withdrawals, I didn't even know that it was withdrawals that I was having. I didn't understand why I felt sick, you know. Um, but then after a while, I knew what it was. I knew what I was fighting, and and I kept trying to come up with game plans to get off of that stuff, and the game plan just never works out. You always make an excuse. You yep. always make an excuse when you get a plan and something falls apart and it's not your fault, but the plan didn't work and we'll try again next time. I'm going to take my medicine until I can get another game plan down to stop. And, you know, and you get caught in that cycle of trying to quit forever. And it's like, well, and you probably did some things you normally wouldn't do. And yeah. in your defense, to be honest with you, in the mid 2000s, physicians probably weren't, they weren't educating their patients on how addictive even the short-acting hydrocodone, oxycodones were not, I mean, it, it, we didn't have the crisis, or at least we weren't aware of it, and, and now we have, you know, um, opioids killing way more people than, the, yeah. you know, especially our young. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they didn't, they didn't say anything about it being yeah. addictive, you know, they just, here, take this for pain. Yeah. That's it, so. But you finally figured out what it was, and then did you notice that, that there was a whole lot of fear associated with with withdrawals, a whole lot of fear, maybe maybe more than what the real risk is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I went back and forth battling, trying to find a way to get off of it. But I was so, so scared of the withdrawals. Yeah. I mean, you know, and really it, it's just, it's a matter of several different things all at once that just make you feel terrible. And, and with mine, you know, my excuse was always work. I have to go to work. I have to be able to function and smile and look happy and be happy. And I just can't do that if, if I'm not, you know, taking pain medication. 
No, no, I've worked for eight months without pain medication and doing just fine. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And yet, and you, you're one of these people that's very type A, very high functioning, very productive, go, 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 go. Yes. You know, and, and I almost think that it's, I see a higher ratio of people with, with your high productive, high output mentality than, than, you know, I mean, I see that a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I had days where I'd, mm -hmm. you know, I'd have my four or whatever that I yeah. needed to take and I'd have five or six with me and I'd say, Oh, I've got a bunch of work this afternoon. I'll take an extra half, you know, right. a pill so I can really get after it and do it. And it's just you people know. of action, whatever it is. Yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. It makes yeah. you feel like you can yeah. just accomplish stuff and you know, you find out that that's not the case. It's just that you've got yourself yeah. in a bad spot. Yeah. So and Audrey, I will say Nate speaks highly of you. We always, you know, we always talk about, you know, what, if you have support at home, um, what's that like? And he's bragged about you nonstop. He, he really has. And so tell me what it's like from your perspective. What what have you seen and, and how did this progress and how did it get better? Well, when I first started, yeah. when Nate and I first got back together, I didn't yeah. even know he was addicted to pills until somebody, somebody told me. And then I started noticing and I wasn't, I didn't know what to do because I don't understand addiction. I've never been addicted to anything. So it was hard for me to try to be supportive because when he came off of him, he was worthless. He wouldn't do anything at home. He wouldn't help me with anything. So it was hard for me because I, I didn't understand it. And I'm like, well, I need some help doing this. And I remember, I remember when I was having when I was having my son and he was trying to come off of him. And it was so, I, I hated it at that point because mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had the support from him during that time that I needed. And he didn't have the support from me that he needed. So I'll never forget how much I hated pills at that point because I needed that support during that time. Right. And I told him, I said, I hate, I said, I wouldn't hate it so much if you would have gotten off of him at that point and stayed off of him. But it was hard for me to believe, okay, you're going to get off of him and stay off of him. So it was hard for me to be supportive because every time he went back to him. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of had to sit back and I never, I never complained to him about, oh, you're buying too many. I never tried to ask a lot of questions about it because mm -hmm. I don't understand it. And it was kind of his thing. Mm -hmm. So I try to just stay out of it and just kind of let him do what he needed to do. And I was going to continue to do my jobs as his wife and do the things around the house. But if I didn't see it, I, I tried to ignore it, but the problem didn't go away. But we talked about it. And when he was telling me that there was somebody at work that had recommended you, I said, well, maybe you need a call. Maybe this is the point where now you need to actually get help. I don't care what it takes to do it. If, if this is what's going to make you feel better and you can get help from this, from this doctor, you need, you need to do what you can do because there's nothing else that I can do. And so when he came to you, I was very pleased that he kept going with the program and, mm -hmm. and you've been a good support for him because he comes home and he tells me, Oh, I just feel so much better after talking to him. And after a couple of days of him talking yeah. to you, he's very upbeat. He's a lot better. And yeah. I wish I could be that for him, but I'm kind of glad that he had, that I, that I'm not so we can have each other on a more husband, wife, mm -hmm. mother, father kind of level. And, and he has you that he can go to, and I think that's fantastic. You kind of help him in that aspect, and, and he looks forward to coming to his visits with you because he knows it helps him, and he comes home and it helps me around the house because he's good for He's more motivated. <laughs> well, good. No, and I, I I appreciate you coming and giving you know the spouse's perspective because there's okay. so many spouses out there that don't understand I, and don't hard. know that this, this can be fixed and don't understand um, why you can't just stop. And, and it is, it's hard. I want to I say to you, why can't you just stop? Why does this little pill control everything you do in life? Mm -hmm. 
And I told him, I said, you are letting, I said, you want to be a man? I said, stop letting a pill roll your life in. Right. And he's just, he's like, you're right, you're right, I can't do it. And now he can, and he mm-hmm. is, and, and I'm proud of him. He's come a long way. I try not to talk about it a lot around at home because I don't want the kids finding out about it. And not only that, I just, I want to, I want to move on to our new normal is that this is what it's going to be. But I always, in the, but it's always going to be in the back of your head, in right. the back of your mind. It's always going right. to be there. For both of you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one thing if he was going to come home, I could smell something on him if he had been drinking, but a pill, I don't know, you know? So it's, if he wanted to do it, I wouldn't know. And so I, I, it's always in the back of your head. What's, what's the next thing? But it's been so long now. I don't worry about it the way I used to. And how old are your kids now? You have a two-year-old and a 13-year-old. Got it. Got it. Got it. So now you got to worry about having a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, coming. No, it's coming. No, yeah, I yeah. can only warn you so much. Oh, yeah. man. No, she, <laughs> she wants to learn how to drive. She's like, yep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's going to be a journey. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. And then I've got a, a son who's just two, and I'm like, I don't even know what he's going to be like in high school. So when he's yes. 13, I'm sure he'll be a lot worse than she is. She's pretty good. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they're all just cute at that age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Super they're cute. Adorable. <laughs> yeah. From terrible twos to trusting threes. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, you'll see. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be trusting twos I don't with know. them. <laughs> He's a good kid now. Yeah. He's probably going to be. I think we're going to get the terrible twos. Hellacious threes. teenager, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, probably a little bit of type A. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but if it's channeled right, you'll do the you'll 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 do the work of two or three people. Oh yeah. Right, we need to know? get him into yeah. something, yeah. get him a hobby yeah. that yeah. he can do and yeah. yeah. As I've noticed, if you give him tasks, he's great. Yeah. It's like, hey buddy, hand me that. Hey, go get yeah. that. And it, yeah. Doesn't get into any trouble. He's running and getting you yep. stuff. <laughs> but the so. minute you turn your back, he's yeah. he gets bored. Yeah, he's worried. jumping off furniture and <laughs> Well, and you also mentioned that there were times when he was just lying on the couch, no doubt going through withdrawals or, you know, just not feeling the energy or just not feeling stable, you know. And so at that time, you probably didn't understand that either as well. I didn't. I think I understand more now because I've been through, I feel like, what was the worst part of it already. Mm -hmm. And I look back on that and I... I watch a lot of like TV shows, like intervention and stuff, and I kind of see what people are going through. And I, and, but it's still it's so hard for somebody who doesn't have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. It's hard to understand addiction, and I don't ever want to understand addiction if it means going through addiction myself. Right. And it's just not worth it to me. And yeah. that's where I struggled with him. And I just want to, you know, kick the cigarettes. Can't you just do it? Like I can yeah. pick one up and not touch him again for three years. And I just right. don't understand how he can't do it. Yeah. But I'm glad I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I've noticed and I've been doing this for 20 some years that we all have it's like a seizure we can all be induced into go into a seizure every one of us we can all be induced to go into that reactive limbic addiction part of your mind fight or flight we can all get there under the right circumstances you know but some get there easier than others and so sometimes You'll hear, hey, I inherited this addiction or that addiction. I don't even think you inherit an addiction. I think you inherit the reactive um, fight or flight kind of brain set that takes you there fast, you know. So when I I talk with different patients and they'll say, yeah, my my grandparents were alcoholics and my dad smoked marijuana all the time. 
and my deal is pills, you know. They were all using outside modalities to calm their brain a little bit. Mm -hmm. They were all using what they had at hand to calm their brain a little bit, but it, in the end, was counterproductive. And so, you know, we see that a lot, where people will start off with short actings, like Lortab, Percocets, and they'll start feeling good, feeling bad, moods up, moods down. And you just go through this roller coaster ride in your brain, your brain thinks that you're under duress, and your brain overactivates the limbic, primitive, fight-or-flight survival mode part of your brain. And it's the part of your brain that really doesn't think things out. It's more reactive. And yeah. it's just like everything's a crisis. Everything's urgent. Everything's life or death, even though it isn't. And so it's just about the next 10 minutes or getting through the day or anything like that. Any long-term choices are not well thought out. And I had one uh, person that was in his addiction. He says, like, 100 voices against one. It just gets mm -hmm. overwhelmed, you know. But once we stabilize the mood, really, and that's the best thing about buprenorphine, is is the long, long half-life. That part of your brain will calm back down. The neural pathway you've been reinforcing all day starts to die down, and you re-engage frontal logic again. And you're making more conscious decisions. You feel back more in control. Um, you're thinking about the future. All those things that are higher level, higher level thinking all of a sudden come back online. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've noticed that transition. I mean, it takes, you know, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm a lot less forgetful. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I do think things through a lot more now. Uh, I think before his, his thought process was, it, it always sucked going places because mm -hmm. I, have, I have to meet this person and get these pills. I have to do this and get my pills. And it sucked. Like even going to family functions, I have to go meet this person. I have to get pills. And well, Christmas is with your family. She wasn't paying attention this entire time. Yeah. 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 That's where I think. Yeah, leaving town was... Mm -hmm. It was scary. Awful. It was yeah. awful. scary. You because, have to make sure yeah. you have enough pills to not be sick while you're gone. Yeah. And so that's where his main focus is always at: is where's my next fix coming from? And, and it's yeah. it's hard because you don't have his attention because he's always on his phone trying to get his next fix. Right. And it's you know you're you're missing family dinners because you're on the phone with your with your mm -hmm. with trying to find somebody. And it's it was just hard. And now I feel like we have more of his attention. He talks. He has more hobbies to keep himself busy now. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was just one, he played the guitar and he looked for pills, I felt like. And, it, and yeah. now he's, you know, he, he finds more things to keep him busy and he's doing more things and he's spending more time with the family. And I think that I credit a lot of that to his sobriety. Sure. Yeah. No. Um, and, and he knows you were there for him. I mean, he, he... It was hard because I didn't yeah. know what to do. I didn't feel like I was the support he needed. I didn't yeah. feel like he was, I, I felt like we deserve different in our lives because mm -hmm. I couldn't be the support he needed. I didn't know how, but he hung in there with me as I hung in there with him. So mm -hmm. we kind of just balanced each other out, I think. And now, I mean, and we're a good team. We, you know, he, mm -hmm. he's the man of the house and I'm very much the mom of the house. So <laughs> balance. Yes, and this sounds prepared. weird, but this got you, you don't know it yet, but this got you prepared to deal with a teenager because, <laughs> you know, you mentioned, you don't know whether to challenge him yep. to get him off his pills or to coddle him or to just love him more, or to step back and just kind of let, it let him figure it out. I mean, this is exactly what you're going to be dealing with here in the next with your teenager. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> you don't know. yeah. I was I was mad yeah. when she moved my car and didn't put the seat process. back where it yeah. belonged. It's going to be a long <laughs> next few years. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, good. So so Nathan, so you came and we started you on 
Suboxone because you mm -hmm. never, like you said, you never let it get totally out of hand. I mean, yeah, um, oxycontin, but you didn't. You didn't have to go to heroin or injecting, no. which you know, you. And it's hard for guys to come in and ask for help. It's like asking for directions. I mean, yeah. they were guys. We just gonna macho through it or, or figure it out. But you did before you lost or got any worse. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think the guy that told me about you. Uh, mm -hmm. John was, he had been telling me about you for a couple months before right. I mustered up the courage to actually call and come right. in and see you guys. Well, we yeah. talked about it for a while when John started yeah. talking to him about it. And I said, you, you have, you know, I was like, maybe, maybe just go in there and see what it's about. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just do one, ask, right. ask for help, do it once. And when he couldn't find any, I said, now's your time. Yeah. It's now, it's now or be sick. So yeah. he's, he did what he had to do. And I was proud. Of, I was real proud of him that mm -hmm. day. And we just, and we don't, we don't, maybe we should celebrate it more, but we don't. But I think that we've just started just living our lives. And yeah. I think that that's also a celebration in itself is because now we have our lives that we're living together and our family that we're raising together. And we're not focusing on where we were, but where we're going. Yeah. Perfect. No, I think that's wonderful. I mean, there comes a time when I think, um, you know, you, you've succeeded, you, um, you know, you, you've done it you are not um, worried that you're going to relapse, you know, you're back in control and then you got to just move forward. I think sometimes mm -hmm. we spend too much time in NA or AA talking about our history and trying to outlive, you know, I was a bigger drunk than you or, you know, I mean, there comes yeah. a point where you just move forward. Yeah. You just move forward. So. Yeah. And you seem like a great well, team together. Well, I mean, yeah. you, I mean and it's, it's okay to talk about those times. And that's sure. one thing that I've, you know, in any situation you have to deal with, it's okay to talk about those times and they'll look back on them, but it's also okay to tell your story. Like with my 13 year old, I tell her some stories about the crazy things that, you know, mm -hmm. I would do because you want to look back on them and then tell people your story so people don't follow in your footsteps. Right. Right. Well, that is wonderful. Um, yeah. So you're kicking butt at your job now. Yeah. 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 I'm we kicked him up for 18 years. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Been promoted, taking care of things. Yeah. So, yeah, well, perfect. Very well. Well, and then so yeah, no, I I appreciate appreciate you both so much. I don't know if you have any little telling secrets on really. You kind of told us what the impetus was to go on and get help, and it was just finally making the decision. And there's a whole lot of people out there that can relate to both of you. Actually, yeah. that's why I appreciate you coming in, Audrey, and then. Um, and then it's, it's not as hard as you think, is it, to come in and just... No. I mean, once you once you give up and come in and, and talk to these guys, uh, you, you... Swallow your pride. Yeah. There's yeah. never going to be, you know, that horrible feeling. The withdrawals. You don't ever have them again. You know? Um, they take care of it and handle it. And then you don't have to worry about where you're going to find anything or get or do or... You know, you're you not feel on the fine. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, it, it, it's that, I mean, there's something about just knowing that with you, you put our you take it, you're good for the day. Yeah. You're good for like, the day. Yeah, all and, day. And in all day. And you know that it'll always be there, and titrating down is not that big of a deal. Yeah. Your brain's already kind of gone, you know, pretty much back to normal. Yeah. And, uh, you just know you've got this now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great. Well, and I appreciate it because what, what we're trying to do here, and I'm not trying to advertise for our facility or any, but we, we're just trying to uh, connect with people out there to let them know that 
they can get help. They can get help. They can get help. And there's a whole lot of people with addiction issues out there. Yeah. The biggest thing is don't try to do it yourself. You're going to fail. There's no way you're going to do it. Yeah. I don't know what the, if there's statistics or percentages on it, but people are going to need help if they're going to get off of it. Well, they say opiate addiction is truly, truly the most addictive, you know, in part because of how sick you feel. It's uh, withdrawals are not um, life threatening, but you feel like you're going to die. Yeah. And, uh, and then the fear that's associated with, with coming down and, and what you've done since you're in that part of your brain, yeah. um, <clears throat> fear is, is, is huge. So. Oh, yeah. It's the strongest force yeah. of anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. All right. Well, thank you both very much. I appreciate it so much. Thank and, you. And I know you're going to help others through your message. I hope so. All right. <laughs> Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.